All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another episode of Small Talk with Big Al. I am your host, Big Al, and we have our first returning guest today. I told you you would hear from her again. Who are you? Jessica, yes! Okay, so you may may remember Jess from talking about (laughs) restaurant industry and why the food industry is hard and how being a celebrity chef is stupid. Um, (laughs) But we're going to talk about something much different today. Uh, As was alluded to, or not alluded to, we said it straight up. In the first episode, we um, we grew up in a very small town together, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think it's really going to hurt if we say the name of the town, because most of the people listening to this know us, and I think we even said it in the first episode, so it really doesn't matter at this point, the grand metropolis that is Poplarville, Mississippi. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Poplarville is a lovely town. Um, I say with only a minor amount of sarcasm. I really do enjoy Poplarville. It has its place in life. If you're an older person or trying to have a family and want to live somewhere, Poplarville, I'm sure, is great these days. I really can't attest to that too much, truthfully, because I don't go back all that much. Yeah. Um, current population, 2,800. <laughs> um, not quite three grand. I'm pretty sure when we were there, it was even smaller than that because yep. we lived there pre-Katrina, so it was before mm-hmm. the explosion that happened right afterwards. Um but we want to kind of talk today about living in small town Mississippi and then escaping it. Um, something Jessica and I have both done to, an, to a degree, um, taking much different routes and having much different experiences in the process. <laughs> um, but something we both did, and I don't think something either one of us regrets doing. Correct. Um, even though some of us, and I don't know if you have, but I've definitely had the opportunity to return even in a professional sense, and yep. turned it down. Never thought I could say that at one point, but uh, so be it. Yeah, same. So let's start out. I'm actually going to kind of give way to you at first, um, because even though I am your your elder by a couple years, <laughs> you lived in Poppaville a lot longer than I did, because we moved around a bit before we came back to that kind of general area. Yep. Um, so you... Completely born and raised in Poplarville. Yep. Um, I won't name names, but, you know, small town Mississippi and a lot of small towns in Mississippi, not just Poplarville, it is your last name that carries you. And it was very much the case with you. Um, yep. That your your last name is quite a popular one inside the city limits. Yep. Um, which influenced a lot of your early life, I would imagine. I know it did from outside perspective, speaking from myself. Yeah. I don't think I realized quite how much so at the time. Um, but when you're in the small pond, it's hard to see the yeah. outside perspective. Yeah. So I really think it was really interesting to me whenever... So I graduated high school, left, went to Macomb, lived in Macomb for a while, left Macomb, moved back to Poplarville, left Poplarville, went to Hattiesburg. When I moved to Hattiesburg... Um, the first job that I got was at Crescent City and Purple Parrot. And I remember thinking that it was so cool that nobody knew who I was. And that I had gotten the job on my own merit. And without anyone knowing who my parents were or my grandparents were. And um, it was really funny at the time. My great uncle uh, was running for some political office. And one of the people that I work with came up and was like, oh, are you related to that guy that's running for governor? I'm like, no, I don't know who you're talking about. And they were just like, oh, okay. And just didn't even and check out. And they took it at face yeah, value. And it, and that was so cool to me that the the anonymity of no, even only being, you know, 40, 50 miles away was really cool to me at that age. So, no, yeah. 
That's fair. And then for me, it was much different. We uh, was born in the area, but moved well before school ever started um, at a young age. We bounced around a lot through South Louisiana, lived in Arkansas for a little while, etc. And then moved back about my sixth, seventh grade year, somewhere in that vicinity. So for me, it was quite the opposite. It was nobody knew who the hell I was. Now, obviously, by the time I left Poplarville, um, people knew who I was, and I'm not doing that to brag because when you live in a town of like 2,000 people, it ain't Everyone hard to be the most well-known guy in your class kind of thing. Um, so by no means am I doing that in an arrogant way. And, you know, it, it was kind of building that up. And But by the time I had left, you and I both kind of had similar situations that we discussed about off-air very briefly um, that – it then became the very interesting aspect to kind of dive into our immediate families to a degree of yeah. the unfortunate situation for them of the constant comparisons. Yeah. Um, to me, I was very high achieving in high school, had the highest ACT score in my class, yada, yada. Trust me, again, not bragging. Um, and I know it was tough for at least the sister right after me, who mm-hmm. you were friends with in high school and yeah. still are, not trying to insinuate otherwise. But, I mean, that's how we know each other, yeah. was through Kristen. And I know Kristen got constant comparisons to, well, you're nothing like your brother. It's, well, no shit. Yeah. But that's tough. And mm-hmm. it was very similar for you as well. Yeah. And for your little brother. Um, and, yeah, even with the age gap, you know, it's, my brother is, you know, for all his faults and flaws in his later years, he's still my little brother and he's absolutely amazing. And... We're so different, but there's so many ways where we're alike that to be, I can't imagine what it felt like. I was the first. So of all of my first cousins on my dad's side and my mom's side, I was the first. Right. So I was the first grandchild. I was the first child. I was it, bro, like for a little while. And, you know, I I can't really imagine what it feels like playing second fiddle or feeling like you are. And, you know, my little brother did so many things. Like, I look up to him in so many ways. Like, he overcame so much at such a young age uh, that I never even had to go through. I mean, he had a lot of health issues and things like that. So, it's like, yeah, I had better grades. But, dude, this kid had a tumor the size of a grapefruit when he was 16. Like, I I can't imagine. You know, but my parents, you know, still, it's, you're, you're measured by this. 90 to 100 scale. Exactly. And it that's just not... It's not fair. Yeah. It's not. But, I mean, it's small. And I'm, I'm, uh, we keep saying small town Mississippi. I'm sure it's small town uh, where the fuck everywhere, ever. Everywhere, yeah. But we can only speak from our experience. Right. Um, and, and it was very similar with Kristen. Obviously, she didn't have as much of the health issues, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, someone that I admired because she, was, she had to bust her ass to achieve and did so. So, I yeah. mean, it was, her work ethic was far beyond whatever I had yeah. because I just coasted and it kicked my ass when I got to college. Same. Um, so, before we move on and, you know, we got kind of cutesy and lovey-dovey and touchy with our family <laughs> there. Um, what is your, just before we move into anything heavier or more serious, your most small town Poplarville story? I've got mine. Like, I thought about it. I know what it is. Oh, man. And I'll go ahead and do mine while you think. Um <laughs> Was having a party at one of my best friend at the time's house, um, who then was not my friend for a long time, but is my friend again. Uh, we will refer to him as Little Al. And we decided to, uh, as anybody listening that grew up in a small town knows this activity quite well, decided right around Halloween to go rolling. <laughs> for those of you not in the know, that's where you take toilet paper, you throw it all over somebody's yard. 
And we were going to go do it to one of our least favorite teachers in existence. We're not going to name any names. Um, <laughs> I'm not even going to give any hints to any names because I'm not going to do that. But we were going to this particular teacher's house to uh, roll it. We realized there were lights on at the house and people were home, so we left. And on the way back to Little Al's house, we get pulled over. It's like, okay, this will be an easy get out of we know everybody in Poplarville. Mm -hmm. Until we realized that the cop was a new guy. And he found probably 120 rolls of toilet paper in the back of the truck. And we thought we were got problems. We thought it was going to be real bad because he talked about how all these houses had gotten rolled tonight. And we're like, dude, we have 120 rolls right now. We ain't rolled shit. We got all this. <laughs> so then a second cop car pulls up. And the guy that was driving the truck, a good friend of ours as well, um, who we will call Schmig, um, was freaking the hell out. He's like, they just pulled up a second car. We're going to jail. <laughs> and then come to find out it was the, uh, at the time, the security officer at the high school who was also on patrol duty that day that decided to graciously let us go. Um, so thanks, Rossi. Much appreciated. <laughs> uh, oh, man, there's so many. There are. There's so many. Um, so... I'm going to throw you my top two, if mm -hmm. that's okay with you. Please do. So, one, I was 15 years old, newly graced with a learner's permit. Oh, of course, because at the time you could get it at 15. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, so, my dad needed to ride to the airport at the absolute ass crack of dawn. Okay. Uh, rolled out of bed, drove my dad to the airport, you know, had my adult in the car with me. All I got to do is make it home. From the Poplarville Airport. I'm not going very far. This is a... Uh, now, guys, don't, don't be, don't have any illusions of grandeur when we say Poplarville Airport. It's it's a strip of concrete in it's, a field. Yeah, yeah, like, we're not talking anything yeah, fancy yeah. here. Uh, so, drive him out there. This is before Poplarville was graced with its first red light. So, there, at the time, yep. there was only a four-way. Coming back through town, it's like, I don't know, early in the morning. I'm barefooted. Of course. And uh, As one is. Come to, come to the four-way. It's really foggy. I stop, look, look, don't see anybody. As soon as I let off the gas, start going through the four-way. Bam, I get hit. I was, obviously, I was only 15, so I was like a freshman. The guy that hit me was a senior that I ran track with. Perfect. <laughs> We I'm going to need that name off, off, yeah, uh, off, off, off record, mic. I'll, off record, I'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, so we pulled to the side. He's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Cops pull up. They know exactly who I am. It's like, of course. You know, do you want to file a police report? I'm like, hell no. If I file a report, I'm not going to get a license ever. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, we took the hit. We gave him a little money to fix his bumper. Fixed ours. Like me and my dad sanded the car ourselves. Yep. And uh, drove it out to a friend of ours, and he let us use his spray rig. <laughs> we painted the car ourselves. And, uh, yeah, I was able to get my license on time. So that's one. Right. My other, my, my second one, a very, very old friend of mine. Um, again, we're not... We'll, now, we'll do names off record. We're not yeah. going to say a lot of names they guys, because we're still <laughs> friends with a lot of these people, we'll, and we're not uh, trying to incriminate folk. We'll say names off record. So, um, we had we had stayed out a little too late, and uh, I was supposed to be home. I had curfew, and his car wouldn't start, 
so we took his grandfather's van nice to get me home we got clocked by a local police officer going about 90 miles an hour smart we're already late <laughs> we're already in trouble might as well say fuck it uh, going going about 90 miles an hour down highway 11 in uh his grandfather's van and all we could do was laugh when we got pulled over i mean it was terrible i mean it, it really is but um so there's an old place called Orvisburg. Yep. Orvisburg, where... uh, quick side note, is basically a ghost town. Yep. Um, outside of Poplarville. Um, I guess it got, I guess it was created because of the railroad. Yeah, would be my it was guess. a railroad town. And then when it kind of, you know, railroad dried up in Prover County, it kind of died. So there's your quick aside about what that is. So Orvisburg is where everybody used to go run the quarter and race their stuff. So we happened to get pulled over right by where you turn off to go to or- Orvisburg. So we, you know, kind of joked about running the quarter in the van. But, um, yeah, we got pulled over in his grandfather's brown van uh, on Highway 11. And, um, and he, I mean, he probably should have arrested us. We were both underage, and we were going, like, 90 miles in a 55. And he let us go, and I made it home, like, only a few minutes after. You got lucky. <laughs> yeah, so, uh. That's uh, that's my second story. And as you're telling those, I can think of so many more, like bringing, oh, so bringing Kristen home from a Relay for Life, which is there a more small town event. I almost got in a fist fight at Relay, Relay for Life one time. I don't even want to know why you got into a fist fight <laughs> trying to support cancer kids. I was bringing her home and we hit a cow on the way home, so that was fun. Uh, it's just, it's shit that happens in small towns Do that doesn't happen in other places. We were, we were racing down your road, coming home from somewhere. Uh, Sushi. Yep, we were coming com- home from Covington, Louisiana, Osaka yeah. West. Yeah. We, had, we had stopped and gotten milkshakes. At, um... In Bogalusa. Uh, oh, what's the name of the place? Oh, why did I blank on this? Yeah. It's like the best milkshake place in they the world. They were so great. And whenever we rear- Zestos. It, Zestos. Zestos. We had milkshakes. And when we rear-ended y'all, the straw from our milkshake- No, no, I rear-ended y'all. Yeah. The straw from the milkshake went up my nose, and my nose was bleeding into my Because me and Lil Al were trying to race on Highway 43 North. Yes. Headed toward Columbia, where we lived. Yes. Uh, good times. Straw from my milkshake went up my nose. and uh, yeah. Oh, Poplarville. It was so great. So, after all that, we each go to college. So, while Jessica's yeah. still chilling in Poplarville, doing her thing, getting a borderline arrested for doing 90 in a... Pedo van. <laughs> Almost um, got arrested multiple other times. Multiple other times. We're not getting into all that. We don't have enough time on this podcast. <laughs> so I peaked in high school. It's I, I get to <laughs> me too. It's cool. So I got to USM, and I think the first time I realized, cause I mean, USM's in Hattiesburg. Hattiesburg's about thirty miles north of our hometown, mm-hmm. and it's where you go to to have fun when you live in Popperville. You yep. go there to the coast because your parents damn sure aren't letting you go to New Orleans. Um, you may did. still choose to go. <laughs> Yours did. Joey and Penny wasn't about that life, and Kristen can attest to that. Yeah. Um, I cannot, but they, uh, cause I was a good kid and didn't do anything that Joey and Penny weren't cool with. So I get there and I'm talking to somebody I had met at USM and I was like, you know, living in Haysburg is so different. And she's like, I know. I'm like, it's just so big. And she was from the DC area and I did not know that. So we had some very interesting conversations <laughs> thereafter. Um, but yeah, so I'm at USM for uh, five years. We're not going to say why it was five and not four. Um, we're not going to get into those discussions, basically. Life just, happens. Life happens. Uh, nothing interesting or or scandalous. Um, I preface that because of 
where this might go with somebody else's experiences. Look, I um, went to school college. long enough to be a doctor and, um, you know. You have a degree in <laughs> interdisciplinary studies. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Fair enough. You have the football player degree when they don't want to get a business degree. It's fine. Um, so then you graduate. And what was an interesting graduation? Um, yeah. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. yeah. Because it got rained out. and I was not happy. You were not. And uh, <laughs> it was very interesting. But anyway, so you go on an interesting trek. We've heard a bit about that, so about yeah. you going to Macomb and then Popperville mm-hmm. again and then up to Haysburg as well, yep. where we both ended up. So it kind of still some congruency mm-hmm. into Haysburg, but it diverts fairly strongly at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, my college career was fairly pedestrian and typical. Uh, I went, so I was in the Honors College, then I was not in the Honors College because I was forcibly removed from that institution. Um, <laughs> joined a fraternity, which, sure, why not? Um because somebody else from Popperville was in it and convinced me to. Hey, I had um, fun at those parties. They were fun parties, and I had a good time there. I'm not saying that I, I regret did it. It was, it was a really <laughs> good time. But other than that and some drinking, like I said, fairly pedestrian for me. I graduate, I leave, I get a job. Can't quite say the same for you with some things that I'm just now finding out, which is interesting. <laughs> so it was, uh, like I said, mine was fairly typical. Met some of my best friends that I still have to this day, yada, yada, kind of textbook college experience but for you it was a bit different yeah so Um, delve into that a little bit what uh what was getting to usm and to hattiesburg like for you for for all-star golden child from poplarville mississippi uh, i was you know i hate to say this and sound like a pretentious twat but you know i feel like i was a little bit of a a big fish in a small pond oh we both were absolutely in high school and then you know going into college it's like oh I'm, i'm not such a big fish at all no, no, we were um, not. So, you know, that was a little bit of a a thing. But I think, you know, getting my first job in the restaurant industry was the first time I'd ever felt at home somewhere. I never felt, um, I never felt challenged and I never felt at home in Poplarville. So my first restaurant industry job in college was very much, and still to this day, like, Rest Parker Voss's soul, but why he hired me, I will never understand because I was not qualified. So, Um, so as a side, for uh, Parker was a was the head chef at um, the Caboose in in Macomb, which, as I stated on the previous podcast that Jessica was on, was this like three star, four star style restaurant, smack dab in random Southwest Mississippi town. Um, Yeah, and Parker was a damn good chef. He was wonderful. And like I said, again, like why he rolled the dice on me, I don't know, but he did. And uh, I will forever be grateful for that. But so, yeah, so getting out of high school and, you know, realizing that I didn't want to do the academic track, that I kind of just wanted to work in this crazy industry and not not go the doctor, lawyer, yeah. you know, nurse route. The, expe- the expected route. The expected route, yeah. So that was that was kind of a growing experience, and then moving to Hattiesburg, staying in the restaurant industry, specifically back a house. I mean, I didn't. It's not like oh, I waited tables in college. Like I was in a kitchen. Um, I was exposed to a lot of things that I, at the time, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like you don't know if you're you're really mentally prepared for everything you're seeing, but it you know it all happened really fast, and that is what it is. So. I got caught up in a lot of things in college, um, some pretty, uh, 
life-changing. Some heavy shit. Yeah, I mean, it was heavy. And, you know, there was some life-changing uh, relationships that happened along that way, too. For for good and for bad. But, yeah. Um, so, I, I kind of left Hattiesburg. I met, you know, at the time, I met Cooking, the guy who is now my husband. Um, he also had kind of a rough go, and, um, you know, we have two people that are kind of, I don't want to say broken, I mean, that's a little excessive. Um, I don't know, I think to an extent it is, it's, it's not, it's not breaking you, it's breaking who you thought you were. That's a really good way to put it. Because, I mean, that's, it's the same shit I went through. I mean, when you get to, to college and you meet people, like, it was the first time in my life that I had sat in a room full of people that were, you know, college material top to bottom. Yeah. And that's not to say we didn't go to school with very intelligent people in Popperville, because we absolutely did. Right. Um, But, I mean, there were some people that that just wasn't their preferred route. That wasn't the route they were going to take. Yeah. And in college, it was a culture shock to experience that. Mm -hmm. And, And to meet people that are just as driven as you, just that want to be just as educated. Um. And I, I was similar to you in that, the, the regard that um, we had, eventually we do diverge in paths, and that's yeah. kind of what we were alluding to. But I mean, I was, my first degree choice at USM was radio DJ. And literally when I left Popperville with that as my career goal, it was like, the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. you are brilliant. Why are you doing this? Guy? Yeah. I want to do it. Then I realized how broke I would be if I got into radio. So I chose teaching the... <laughs> Slightly Great. less broke. Slightly less broke. I can afford, you know, actual meat on my sandwiches <laughs> instead of fucking bullshit meat. Um, so there was that. But yeah, so you 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 have your 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 I don't want to say issues, but you have your your wake up call that, yeah. that you're not who you thought you were uh, moment. Or that who you thought you wanted to be. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, very much so. You know, when you're in high school and, and like you said, you're making a really high CT score and you're just coasting. Like, I don't, I didn't, I was exempt every year. I'm mm-hmm. sure you were the same yeah. way. Like, I had never taken a final exam until I yes, got to college. 100%. And when I tell you, like, kicked my ass, like, how do, do you study? For yes, a, that's like, the exact how, like, issue I had. Like, how? I, yeah. I don't know. And so, my GPA reflected it. Yeah. Um. So that was, that was a huge wake up call for one. It absolutely was. Um. And then the the wake up call for me academically that that every way I had learned to write essays and papers and everything was wrong. Yeah. Because it's like okay, when you write in high school, typically you're writing for English. You're in journalism now; it's different. And then I swapped to history, and it's like yeah, every way you've learned to write before now is also garbage. And see, it was the same for me, but I was a science major at the time. So it's like every way you learn to write for English, you're writing science papers now. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. So, so many things were just not applicable. And at the time, it was just like, I'm just internally screaming, like, I just want to fucking cook food. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do yeah. this. So, before we leave Hattiesburg, because that's where we're almost to, is the point where I leave and you leave. Yep. Is, you, you mentioned that not only was who you thought you were broken, but who you thought you would be. So, yeah. when you get to college and you get to Hattiesburg... Who is Jessica supposed to become at that point? When I got to Hattiesburg, Jessica was supposed to become... In your mind, I mean. Not what everybody else expected. Oh, yeah, yeah. In your mind, what was Jessica to become? So, in my mind, it was very, very much like an internal struggle. Like, 
if I'm smart enough to be a doctor, a lawyer, whatever, then should I be? Or should I do this thing that I just really, really love doing, which was cooking? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was very much like my entire college career and young adulthood was a a very heavy struggle. And I don't think I even knew. Um, I really, you know, sometimes I still don't. But at the time, I definitely didn't know who who I was supposed to be. And that was very difficult. Yeah. I mean, um, and for me, it was go get teaching degree, move back to Popperville, teach at Popperville High School, start a family, and the end. Like, that was the goal. Yeah. And that's, I took a couple steps in that direction, but it's very much not where I ended up, and some very key things have changed in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, but continue on with where you were headed. Um, so I graduate... I go get a teaching job. That's what I do. As a matter of fact, my, one of my first jobs was as a long-term sub at Popperville High School. So I was taking those steps to who I thought I was to become. Um, quick shout-out to my mother who, from a very early point, looked at me and said, you're going to teach for a while, but you're not going to stick with it. Yeah. And for the longest time, my thought internally was, fuck you, that is what I'm going to do. Sorry, yeah. Mom. I, I said, fuck you internally, not to you. Love you. <laughs> so... She called it. I have to give her credit. She called it. But yeah, so I was living what I thought my dream was. But you were taking a very different route. Um, Honestly, though, like coming, touching on what you said, like my dad kind of called the food thing. At at that young age, me and my dad were very much not in the place that we are now. My dad's absolutely a huge part of my life as, as a real adult. Um now that we're old enough to understand each other. But at the time when I was a young adult and we didn't understand each other, uh, we're so much alike, it's absolutely batshit. Which would explain why y'all conflicted so much, really. Um, But at the time, you know, he was so adamantly against me cooking. And and now it makes so much sense because, you know, he tells me things now like, I don't want to see you be on your feet for 16 hours a day. I want to see you get paid more for your hard work. I want to see you have better benefits and not be in an industry that's so hard on you mentally and physically and emotionally. And, you know, at 19, you don't see that. Right. And I don't think it when, you know, backtracking 10 years ago for him, ultimately my parents had me really young. So backtracking to my dad 10 years ago, I mean, my dad was like barely even 40. So I don't know that he and I just were not really verbalizing well at the time. No, so, you know, it, it makes perfect sense now. Like you said, it it's like the the internally screaming. It's like no, but you know now it's like oh wow, dad, damn, you were you're hitting it, yeah. you know, and I, I didn't realize it. So, um, but yeah, so for me, I had so many emotional things leading up to me leaving Hattiesburg. There was just um, there was some, you know not saying any names again, but, you know, there was a, a person that I really cared about at the time that, you know, was on their own path that was also kind of uh, not okay at the time, just like I was not okay. And uh, we kind of went our separate ways with the intent of eventually, you know, one day we'll get our shit together and we'll circle back around. Of course, and, the storybook. You know, the storybook. right, right. We'll go divergent paths, we'll learn our life lessons, yeah. and we will reconvene happily Later. ever after. Yeah, so, you know, all of that kind of transpires. But at the time, in in the midst of all of that, you know, emotional turmoil, 
and me really kind of struggling with self-identity and like you know leaving college like all I want to do is cook you know so I was I had very much like an emotional struggle and a, a identity struggle I meet this dude while I'm cooking and um who is now my husband <laughs> and like straight up like on one of our very first dates was like getting ready to move to New York to go to culinary school I don't want anything serious like right. no <clears throat> uh, you know and he's like oh you're going to culinary school in New York I've always wanted to go why don't we go together like well holy shit you're nuts but uh okay. sure why not right yeah so yep. um you know fast forward to to here. shit the audience yeah, already to, knows so here we are you know yeah so um it was it was uh, not as tumultuous for me in a, in a sense. I, I get my first teaching job a year after college because the entire time through college it is, oh, everybody needs teachers until the year I graduated. And then it was, oh, we have <laughs> enough teachers. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, or it was, we have enough history teachers because you don't coach anything. <laughs> what Can you teach anything else? And the answer at the time was no. So I bounce around school districts and I do my thing. And... I guess, and this is just kind of segueing to other things that are, are the, kind of back to the concept of breaking who we thought we were and who we thought we would become, is something that my parents are still very much so struggling to accept. And I think, I don't know if my sisters have accepted it or not yet, but they've taken some of the pressure off me. So thanks, Kristen. Thanks, Amber. Mm-hmm. Um, is that I realized I, I don't want to be a parent. Same. Possibly ever. Same. Teaching kind of killed it. Yeah. It kind of ruined it. Um, and that was such a colossal shift from where I thought I would be. Because growing up in small town Popperville, the idea was always to have kids young. So that way I could be the cool parent like my parents were. Because um, my oh, parents yeah. were very much the cool Mine parents. Mine too, yeah. And because they were younger. <laughs> but you were just mentioning it. Like when you and your dad were having such conflict, he was in his like mid to late 30s. Yeah. I'm thinking about it now. At my age, at 31, where I currently am 32 in a week and a couple days um, of the time of recording this... My parents, I was 11. My mom had an 8-year-old. When my mom was 31, I, she had an 11-year-old. I'm 29. My mom had an 8-year-old. If I had an 11-year-old right now, I would be absolutely <laughs> batshit insane. There is yeah. no way. I can barely take care of myself. Same. Nonetheless, a goddamn 11-year-old. Same, yeah. He better learn to cook for him damn self because he's out of luck with me. Shout um, out to the parents because yeah, holy cause shit. Dude. What were y'all doing? <laughs> and I think the biggest other change for me. Well, actually, let's let's pause before we go there. Let's not. I'm looking back at our uh, my rough um, outline that I made, and it, we're, <laughs> we haven't followed it to a T. But I think we've had good discussions, so it doesn't fucking matter. Is okay. You leave Hattiesburg, and I don't think Hattiesburg is the correct spot to answer this question because yep. it's not really leaving and getting out. So the question I wrote on the outline was, "What was your first reaction to getting out, and your first reaction to actually getting out?" So, like, my first reaction to quote-unquote getting out, which would have been Hattiesburg, Mm -hmm. was merely the, oh, shit, nobody's going to wake me up on time anymore. I'm responsible for all this shit by myself. How do I wash clothes without them bleeding onto each other? That's pretty much it. That was my first reactions to, air quotes, getting out. So, I guess yours would be your trip to Macomb. So, um, going to Macomb didn't really feel like getting out to me at the time because... I came home, you know, so often. Fair. And it it wasn't that far away. Yes, I had, I I lived in the dorm for a semester and then I had my own apartment. I worked really hard. 
Um, but I still didn't feel like I was out because it, it was so small still. And then um, moving back to Poplarville and then even moving to Hattiesburg, like, I still, even in Jackson, like, right now at, you know, almost 30, I, I don't feel at home in no, that's fair. In Mississippi. And I, I kept thinking, like, you know, it's one of those things, like, oh, I'm going to leave, I'm going to travel, I'm going to see the world, I'm going to move to all these other places, I'm going to come back, and it's, and this is where I'm going to settle. Right. And now that I've done those things, I went to, you know, I went to 10 countries in 10 years, and I've lived in three different states, or four, actually. I lived in four different states, and um, I came back, and, you know, I bought a house, I'm married, I did all the adult things, and, and I don't feel at home still. Yeah. And um, so I, I think my first reaction to actually getting out would be living in New York, and yeah, I would say from growing up in Poplarville, that's that's getting out pretty uh, pretty heavily. Yeah, and um, it was absolutely shattering because you know even now, like I have conversation, like adult conversations with friends of mine. They're like, "Oh well, I can't imagine the cost of living." Blah blah blah. Well, Manhattan skews the data. It, does, it absolutely does. It really yeah. does. Yeah, so, when we when we do say that Jessica went to New York, where she did not move to Mid City Manhattan. She right. was living in Poughkeepsie, yeah, um, which um, is what two an hour north, yeah, or so of yeah, Manhattan, about an hour hour and so on the train. Um, so I lived in the Hudson River Valley, in uh, which BT dubs gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful. Um, so I think for me, so at the time, essentially, like you know, I'm making double what I currently make, and. So my rent, when I first moved to Jackson, you know, a couple of years ago before I bought a house, when I first moved to Jackson, my rent was $1,000 a month. Yeah. My rent for a spacious two-bedroom apartment in upstate New York with off-street parking, they mowed the grass, they snowplowed the, the sidewalks, you know, the whole nine. It included my heat, water, trash pickup, everything. Mm-hmm. Um was nine seventy five. Jesus. So I was making double and my expenses were lower. Right. And, uh, you know, when you tell people that, they're like, oh, bullshit. You know, it was like, well, you know, when you think about Manhattan, yeah, bullshit. But that's not where I lived. Yeah, that's not, absolutely um, not where you lived. So it's very, very different. You know, I, I had all these lofty ideals about coming back and really bringing, you know, the farm to table movement home and like, opening this beautiful place and bringing something great to the South. And that's very different. And, you know, so kind of clashing with the coming home, I think has been harder than the getting out. The getting out was beautiful and eye opening and wonderful and gave me all, you know, getting out gave me bigger dreams, even than what I left with. Right. Uh, the coming home is the hard part. Yeah. And, um, I'm already ready to leave again. And I guess on the opposite side of the coin, the answer for me was, I've never gotten out. Mm-hmm. Like I got out in the terms of becoming a true adult and paying for my own shit and, yeah. you know, end of the month realizing, well, I guess it's a lot of peanut butter, like that kind of realization mm-hmm. and getting out. But I've, I've never left the state. I've traveled, mm-hmm. but I've lived in Mississippi ever since I was, you know, in sixth grade. Um, yeah. And it's, it's something that I've very much so come to conflict with myself about because for so long as a teacher and now as a educator in a different role that, um, it was very much so we've got to stop the brain drain. Yes, Mississippi has its flaws, but how do we make them better if we constantly leave? 
mm-hmm. and I'm I'm dealing with it internally because I'm realizing to do some of the things that I would eventually like to do, I'm probably gonna have to leave. Yeah, and to have been an advocate for so long of fuck you, don't leave. We need you here to make things better, to change things, yep. and now potentially bailing on that on myself somewhere down the line feels a bit treasonous. No, that's... It hurts a little bit. Yeah. Um, and of course, like you said, the eventual goal would for me really would be to come back at some point mm-hmm. because I do love it here. Yeah. Um, for all of its flaws and backwards assness that we have in this state, for some godforsaken reason, I still love it. Um, and don't want to see it, you know, continue down its path of not greatness. Um, but that's where we are. So... Eventually, yeah, there's some places I would like to work that were going to make me live very not in Mississippi, um, depending on which route I take with that, if I ever do take it. But, and for anybody from my work that might be listening, it's not happening anytime soon. Please calm down. I love where I work. I love you all. Um, But yeah, it's something that I've fought with a lot internally. Um, And I know not everybody feels that way. Clearly, you're not in the same boat by any means. Well, I mean, just like you said, like feeling like, no, don't leave. That's very much, you know, for me, going into the food industry, it was so eye-opening getting my first restaurant jobs. Like, why are we ordering corn from another state when yeah. some of the best corn in the nation is grown in the Delta? Mm-hmm. And, you know, rice and all these things. Like, wait, you, we, what? Why are we ordering things from all these other places when it's right up the street? So, for me, it was like I would love to bring home this farm-to-table movement. It's like, you know, coming back from New York, obviously, that was my mentality. It's like... I would love to open a venue or a really small small seat restaurant and, you know, kind of educate people through food as well as support the local community and do, you know, some beautiful things with food and wine and booze and, you know, teach people about all these experiences that I've, I've had the, the privilege and the pleasure of, of getting and, you know, worked hard to get. I would love to share those, but at mm-hmm. the same time, it's like, you know, sometimes you try to cook food. And, you know, somebody's grandma, Doreen, is like, I don't eat that. It's like, yeah. well, have you ever tried it? It's like, no, that's not, not. Yeah. you know, no. And that's their response. Like, well, how do you know you don't like it if you, if you won't try it? And, you know, kind of combating that very, you know, slightly closed-minded Southern idea, but. Um, hey, you don't have to sugarcoat it. It's just not slightly closed-minded. Yeah. We live in a very closed-minded state. Yeah. But, um. <clears throat> Working at Kate, actually, here in Jackson was beautiful for me because it it did show me that there is some pretty adventurous clientele out here that's willing to try things and, you know, give beautiful specials and crazy, you know, treats and all of these things a shot. And, and that was great. And it, it really did. Um, it gave me a little hope for for the area. But at the same time, it's like, is it enough? And that's, that's what I was really fixing to kind of chime in with is, is I think what you wanted to initially do moving back here is doable in Mississippi, but the, the comparison between here and other places is it's doable in about four places in Mississippi. Yeah. You might could do it on the coast. You could probably do it in Hattiesburg. You could do it in the Jackson Metro. And you might could get away with it in Cleveland. Because Possibly. Cleveland's a weird-ass little city, and I Possibly. love it. Yeah. But that's the about the only four places in the state that you could pull it off. Maybe in some of the areas south of Memphis, maybe. Mm-hmm. But is that even really Mississippi anymore? Right. Um, sorry to anybody listening that lives in, like, south England. No, I mean, that's, that's um, the hard thing about, like, you know, 
for and me. And we mean strictly within the bounds of the state. Obviously, right. you can go across the border to New Orleans and do New all kind or, of shit. Or yeah. Mobile and do all kind of shit. Mecca, Mecca. But not within the, the bounds of this state. Well, that was the hard thing. You know, you talk about going back to Pocketville for you. Like, wanting to go back and be a teacher and get a family and stuff. It's like, I could, you know, make a phone call right now and tell my grandparents that I want to post up on their, you know, however many hundreds of acres land, mm-hmm. like, give me one. I'm coming back. And they'd be like, okay, sure. Yeah. And, you know, I could move back and, you know, open a restaurant, but the kind of food I want to cook, would anybody even show up? Yeah, no, they wouldn't. You know, it's... And that's, I, and not very many people, and I think probably only two people know this, the person who told me about it and his daughter. Um, I, I had the opportunity. My golden platter was given to me. Um, probably about three months after I accepted my current job, somebody from Popperville called and offered me a position teaching a class I've taught before that I loved when I taught it. And it was sitting right there. If I wanted it, all I had to do was say yes. And I had to look at one of my mentor teachers who got me into teaching in the first place and tell him no. Mm-hmm. And it, it, was, it f- was freeing as much as it hurt to do. Because, I mean, he even told me on the phone, he was like, you know, I've been trying to get you back to Popperville forever, I understand, but, it, you know, it kind of sucks. And I got where he's coming from, but at the same time, I'm just not that person anymore. Yeah. And it's it's something that even two or three years ago I would have jumped on, I would have taken that job, I probably would have loved it, and I probably would have never left. Yeah. Um, but even in that small time of two years, the field I'm in now is something I would much rather do. Um the difficult thing that's going to come from that eventually, like I alluded to, is in the exact position I'm in, I'm at the, the pinnacle of where I can do that in the state. I can't go any higher in this particular field, in this position, in this state. So it's either, you know, move into a related adjacent field for where I currently work, which may appeal to me someday, or go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of sucks that that might be something I have to deal with one day. Might. And I had a similar experience. Um, it was uh, all hinged on a little bit different things, but I had the opportunity to move back to Popperville and potentially turn a certain location into a venue. And um, Now, when you say a venue, I'm assuming, since you're not saying restaurant, more like a wedding venue, destination right. venue kind yep. of place. Yep. Yeah. Um, with a certain person and that um, at the time this was all obviously the timing is all very different and you know life happens and things are different all along the way but you know I wasn't ready I thought yeah I may have thought that I was at the time and honestly I may have been who knows but um, I was not in that place and I'm so glad now that I had the the ability to say no because right now it's like same thing. I might have taken taken that opportunity and yeah. and been there and, and never left. And that's it, and, yeah. yeah, and I, I would still be in the same place I was and you know, not to say that I wouldn't be happy. Right. That's that's the thing, is that, you know, that's always the question. It's like, you know, what would I have been happy? Yeah, maybe. Um but would all of the other experience you have trade off for it? Like, right. Probably not. Exactly. You know, I'll, I'll take this over that yeah. any day, yeah. 
And, and I think the difficulty for me now is that, whereas you say you still don't necessarily feel at home here, I do feel at home here. And I definitely feel at home where I currently work. It's the happiest I've ever been in a job in my life. But knowing that someday, if I want to go further, it may not be feasible here. Mm-hmm. It might, it might not. But yeah, that's it's that's something that's tough to, to wrestle with. Uh, yeah. I would almost rather not feel at home so that it would make a transition easier if that day ever does come. Yeah. But, so. I mean, I, I bought a house with the intent of leaving here in three years. Right. Well, and the, the I mean, good news for that is where your house is located. Yeah. There's a pretty good chance you'll be able to move it. Yeah. At least. I mean, good school the, district, good area. The only reason, I mean, our buying a house versus renting an apartment in the exact same area cost me $6 more a month. Yeah. Six dollars. Yep. So, you know, you hit a point where it's like this is financially, mm-hmm. it's much more feasible to buy than rent. So, um, yeah, I mean, we bought a house, and everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, you you don't want to live here forever?" And you bought a house, like, yeah, because <laughs> it makes more financial Cause sense. Because it makes more sense, yeah, absolutely. and you know, so our family thinks that a lot of times you're like, "Oh wait, you don't want to live in Jackson forever?" Like, no, no. no. <laughs> it cost me six dollars more a month to own my stuff versus rent it. So yeah, I bought it. Yeah, so. so we kind of went from from small town Mississippi to where we are now, but there's a couple things I want to touch on about reaching back to that small town Mississippi. So it's just kind of a cursory first question: When's the last time you went back? When's the last time you graced the city limits of Poplarville with um, your presence? Because your parents don't live there anymore. No, nope. much like my parents don't live there anymore. Matter of fact, um, none of my immediate family lives there anymore. Yours, you still do have family there. But uh, yeah, it's I just, have no family there anymore. Uh, my grandparents, my uncle lived there. So I think the last time, we all alternate. So since my grandparents still live down there, um, they hosted Thanksgiving. And then I hosted Christmas at uh, our house for the first, our new house, you know, for the Very first cool. time this year. Um, Get you being all adult and shit. I know. <laughs> what? I have like actual dishes to use. Uh, I do have that. I haven't hosted a holiday yet, but I do have yeah. dishes at least. So, uh, yeah, probably Thanksgiving. Uh, but I not even the city limits. I went straight to my grandparents' house, had Thanksgiving dinner, and came straight back. Um, so probably my wedding actually would be the first time I actually hung out in Poplarville for probably like a week straight. Which was two years ago? 27 October 2017 so a year and a half ago or so yeah yep yep uh my last would have been right before Christmas um but again it was just for a night um Mm -hmm. I don't I can't remember the last time I was there than a couple days uh it just so happens that I'm still in touch with one of my good friends from high school that still lives there and I went to visit him on my way to the coast to see my family so yeah it was strictly because it was on the way I mean and to see him, but other than that. So that kind of segues to my next question. I'm trying to phrase this the right way to not offend people. <laughs> so of the people you were friends with in high school, you were friends with them at that time. Mm-hmm. How many of those do you still talk to on a weekly basis? Um, I'm trying to see if it's more or less than mine. I'm going to assume more, but we'll see. Uh... Although I think more for you is cheating. For I'll explain. High school? Yes. High school friends that I still talk to. Only. Yeah, because if you're friends with them before high school, that doesn't mean they're yeah, real friends. Yeah, no. Um, That's fake bullshit. So, on a weekly basis. Or even if you don't talk um, to them on a weekly basis, you would still consider them that type of friend. Yeah, yeah. 
So on a weekly basis on the phone? Yeah. Via phone, te- text, text, message, text, Snapchat. Um, so probably three that I actively communicate with. Okay. Um, social media, I still love to keep up with a whole lot of people. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm getting there with mine, um, but continue. That's, yeah, that's a little different. So there's so many people that I absolutely adore, like, the direction their life has went, and I'm so absolutely. happy and proud for them, and... Um, you know, life happens. I don't like kids. People have kids. That's cool. Um, no offense. They're just not my thing. All right. So, you know, those people, it's like, I think you guys have done absolutely what you wanted to do. And, you know, shout out because I couldn't, Jesus, me with a kid. Uh, no. But, yeah, so um, it's not that I don't communicate with people for any negative reason it's just that my life is not in the same place as theirs well and, and that's part of it it's, it's yeah. that and it's the realization of how hard maintaining friendships is yeah. and it's very easy when your life is in different places and you have these you've developed friendships that are easier to have to be quite frank yeah on both sides of that that it becomes i mean it may be you that has developed a new friendship here in jackson that's easier to maintain right so that means you're not reaching out as much. Right. And when it's not a two-way street, it becomes a lot more difficult to maintain that. Right. And I just use you doing that as an example. I'm not saying you have no, ditched some yeah. of these former friends. Um, for me, it's one. Yeah. It is Little Al, and that's about it. Yeah. Now, as you said, there's plenty of people I graduated with and that I was friends with in high school that I still love dearly yeah. um, and love to keep up with. So please don't take that the wrong way, those of you who are listening that fit that boat. Mm-hmm. But it's just, as you said, life, you're in different places, you're in different distances. And I say one, I say little Al, as I sit next to somebody I went to high school with, but because I don't count you because we weren't friends at that time. Right. We knew each other. We'd yeah. see each other. We'd speak. But you weren't somebody I was going to like go hang out with right. independently. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where, where I am with that. And then the final question I want to wrap up kind of the episode with, if nothing else pops up between now and then, <laughs> what would you consider the biggest thing that has changed about you between high school Jess and current Jess? Mm. Um, I feel like high school Jess, this is going to be hard, kind of hard to explain, but okay. people who knew me back then will understand. So, I cared very much about people, mm-hmm. but not really what people thought. If that That's makes a any fair sense. statement. Yes, remembering um, you at the time, I would agree with that. I think now it's it's just less. Like I just care. I care so much about people, and that's like I was saying a minute ago. Like I am so happy and proud, and you know, genuinely love people in my heart but I care even less what anyone thinks no I don't if that's um, I think some people are going to take it the wrong way but fuck them um, yeah I mean it's I, I could give a shit less it's no it makes sense you you because you are who you are mm-hmm. and you don't want to let other people influence that and yeah. that's more of what you mean by that than fuck people yeah but I, I've also come to be a lot more in my life like fuck people mm-hmm. um so that's great, but that's not exactly. I'm going to try to go a little more lighthearted to kind of end this whole thing. So, yeah, yeah. one of the key ways you have changed since you were in high school is your skin. 
Which is a funny way to say that, but you're going to clarify for the people. So, ink. Um, I got my first couple of tattoos while I was still a senior in high school. Really? It was in the high school? Yeah, yeah. Happened. See, I thought it was all after. I don't know. Um, I definitely have a couple little... I've got one spring break tattoo and then one 18th birthday tattoo. Okay. Um, Ooh, spring break went way to go, stereotypical. Hey, Jess. look, uh, that peace sign still means just as much to <laughs> <in> my- <laughs> I'm sure I, it does. I will be a hippie kid till the day I die, bro. Um, so, yeah, my skin. I'm extraordinarily fucking sentimental. It's excessive. I've got birthday cards from when I was like fucking five. Um, I, I'm sentimental, but I'm not that sentimental. Yeah, so I'm sentimental. I'm an overthinker. Um, things mean so much to me. And where other people, they might just be in passing, but... They're, they're heavy and they mean so much. So um, there's something very special to me about carrying all of my experiences and my loves and my family and um, a little bit of my whole life on my person 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And just really not just reminding me where I've come from, but where I want to go and where I've been. And um, some, some things are, are people that you know, aren't really in my life anymore, but they're, they're still here. No, that's, uh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, And that that makes sense. I've dabbled in the idea of getting, getting one, maybe two. Um, I'm much more of a bitch when it comes to pain than you are. So I doubt it would ever be any more than that, but it's the same. I've kind of always appreciated that with you, that all your tattoos do have some type of connection, some type of story, some type of, of personal meaning for you. Um, and the one that I might would get follows the same for me. It's the opening quote of mine and my mom's favorite book. Yeah. So I get it, and that makes sense. I just don't know that that's how I would choose to, to go about that um, with your 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 ink therapy, as you so choose yeah, to call it. I think um, for me, it's uh, I, I've never been a cutter, but... Um, I've read a good bit about it in, you know, psychology classes in college, and um, I feel like I can relate to that. There's something really cathartic about and, um, you know, really freeing about a little bit of pain, and I think that's kind of the tattoo side of life, and um, if there's something that's hurting you on the inside, like, carve it in your skin and let it hurt on the outside for a minute, and then it's, it helps you kind of release that a little bit. I'm just saying cheesecake helps with that a lot, too. <laughs> <laughs> and it hurts a lot less. Unless you eat a whole one, then it hurts. Well, and then yeah, you get diabetes, yeah. and that does hurt a whole lot. Anyway, so that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank y'all for tuning in to yet another episode of Small Talk with Big Al. Um, you will definitely be hearing from Jess again, as she is a great guest, and we plan on having her back. Hey. Um, so thank you for listening again, and have a great evening. Thanks so much. <laughs>